We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Before we get started with the show, shout out to the members of the Patreon that keep us afloat. Nick Chavez, Ryan Pisner, Christopher Velasquez, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleiates, and Daniel Gibson. And also a big shout out to the rest of you Patreon members. We appreciate it, and most importantly, congrats. I'm working hard for respect in my city. I'm working hard for respect. Yeah. You think you got it, I got it for real. You think you got what I got. Uh. This one for those they forget in my city. This one for those they forget. Yeah. This dog off the leash and it's ready to kill. Let me go finish your mail. Ah, yes. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. At the Lame Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. My guy is back. A-double-L-E-M. What's good, baby? Yo, the draft is finally over. How'd you feel about your what your Falcons did? Uh, as usual, they have their own list, and they don't really care about other websites. It's funny. People always freak out. Oh, this guy was ranked 45th. How did he get picked in the first round? Like, they just, that's how they evaluate talent. They pinpoint their guys, and that's who they draft. Yeah, that's the one thing that I always harp on. And last year, it really came into play more so than other years because people were just bugging out with the Daniel Jones pick when the Giants had it. I say this all the time, dude. People need to understand that mock draft. Mock drafts and people that mock draft and websites, that's their projections, but they're completely different from what teams have. And people need to understand that. And when you get the reach 
and the oh he dropped in the draft well according to who right are you a todd mcshay guy are you a mel kuyper guy are you a pff guy that's all going to dictate whether or not that person dropped or went too high or went too low so for me i'm always going to side with the organization because they definitely do their homework on these things uh, i want to go with all organizations the majority yeah. of them. Yeah, it, it depends, like, what their resume looks like. You, you got to base it on, you know, what's their success rate like. But in in general, though, teams don't go off mock drafts. They do their own big boards. and then No, totally. There. I think it's more of just, I don't know if it's a cons- just consensus rankings because teams, every team has, uh, they've purchased PFF. Like, they're a partner with all 32 teams. And you look at guys like Louis Riddick or now Mike Mayock because – Look, you see analysts, they've gotten no GM jobs. You look at a couple of the guys, and I think more of them in the future are probably going to be. So I do think teams look at what certain analysts are talking about, but obviously they're not going to base their whole draft board on certain rankings. Overall thoughts on the draft. How you Did you like quarantine season draft or what? Uh, it was all right for what it was. I didn't like how ESPN kept bringing up depressing negative aspects of certain prospects. I thought that was really unnecessary, just how they kept pushing it. I understand maybe you want to create like an inspiring story, but I just think there are other ways to do it. But the layout was cool. Uh, Goodell was kind of a bore. I'm just not a Roger Goodell guy at all. Even though, ironically, we you were with me, right? Did we meet him together? Yeah. Yeah, we met Roger Goodell. I, yeah. met Dana, I met Dana White and Roger Goodell on the same day. That was such a weird day in New York. But yeah, Goodell is kind of a bore. But he did what he did. Yo, if you were to channel your inner wrestling promoter and you could fantasy book someone to play the Roger Goodell role on draft day, who would you have picked? Paul Heyman? Okay, that's where I was going to, but it didn't need to be in the wrestling world, just in general. Is there someone else? Someone that could entertain? Or just like be a, a little more like enthusiastic and maybe, you know, just like not turn around and be like, oh, Titans, you're on the clock. Make some noise. Oh, man. I just go like Bill Burr just to create a whole shit show. Yo, a comedian would have been great. A comedian yeah, just, would have been hilarious. It's someone with some sports knowledge. Like, I know some people be like, oh, maybe get like Dave Chappelle or even like a Joey Diaz. But I like someone with some sports knowledge. That's why Bill Burr would just be there all bitter about Brady leaving. <laughs> Joe, Joey Diaz would be like, all right, cocksuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Next pick for the Bengals, Joe Burrow. <laughs> you you bring up some like 1982 game where he put like $500 on Dwight Clark and the Niners or something, and people be like, "What is this man talking about? Why is this 320 pound guy screaming at the television?" Dude, I did a parody video. I just posted it on the YouTube channel. Cheap plug. Allen uh, didn't get paid to set me up with that layup, but yo, I exactly what you said, bro. You're watching the draft, and before anything. Every single draft pick, fucking ESPN cuts, and it's like, you know, his sister's a five-star recruit in volleyball. Or with Henry Ruggs, it's like, oh, this guy, look at his high school basketball footage. It's like, dude, can I, can I see a slant? I want to see a slant, a catch in traffic. You're telling me about all these kids, like every single draft pick had some tragedy in their life. Was that like mm-hmm. a basic requirement for you to get drafted this year? Yeah, it was like the unbelievable. T. Higgins. They started off like the second round that Friday night with like T. Higgins. I was like, 
he was talking about his mom was like a drug actor. I'm like, why is this public knowledge? Like, there's so much you could put there. Like, I just, and I know there's other options you can watch. Like, I heard PFF had their own show, which is great. But like, when you have like ESPN or ABC or NFL Network, whatever, it's, you know, you're not watching your TV. But I don't know. Maybe now, if there's other options out there to watch the draft, maybe you gotta use them. Because I just thought that was a bit of a disaster. So, I heard something about why they did that. <clears throat> ESPN College College Game Day. Are you familiar with that show? The yeah. Saturday show uh, during the college football season. They do a segment with Tom Rinaldi, and it's very like in depth, very sad, but like uh, trials and tribulations to triumph kind of stories. And these players are doing it for a little sister or an uncle or whatever. And that particular segment gets a really high number because people sympathize with that but dude to do it after every pick was kind of it was depressing bro you're watching that shit it's supposed to be the best moment of these this kid's life and then you just remind them of his worst and that's literally almost verbatim what i said in that video that i made yeah exactly and just do we want to learn more about the players like okay you want to go totally analytical but at the same time it's like give the, the fan base like something to be encouraged about so, like, give them a couple stats here and there. Just, I don't know. I thought the presentation could be better, but I don't want to be too fickle because given the circumstances right now, you know, they did what they had to do. I also, the last thing that I really want to say, I loved the pace of that first round. And I know I talked about it with Tim and Taryn. They were on recapping that first round. But just the whole pace of the draft I thought was really good. When you eliminate about 10 minutes of pageantry with the player coming out, the handshakes, the post post-draft interview i think it was a really good pace but i also think it helped that there weren't any trades until the 14th pick yeah yeah where a lot of people thought that the draft was going to start with detroit maybe someone's going to jump up to get a quarterback it seemed like it was a very vanilla draft not much going on so alan and i we've broken up we're, we're going to talk about 15 different topics but we're tying them into three groups so Alan, and Alan, how do you feel about draft grades, though? Are you with me where you kind of – how do you look at and decide what grade you're giving to each team? I don't think I've ever asked you this. I, I take it for what – I just want to learn about different players and uh, a couple things, whether it be just how they performed in the previous year or what their combine numbers are. Like. I just try to take what I could get from it, whether it be statistics or uh, just information on how they're going to flip their teams. But the actual grade, you know, the actual value of it, I don't put too much stock into it because – you can't really until two, three years from now. So grades, look at it. But for the most part, I just want I want to learn more about maybe the third to seventh round, guys, because I think I have a good grasp of the first two rounds. But after that, it's just kind of just basic knowledge. Well, yeah, not only you have good knowledge of the first and second, third round guys, but even the broadcasters. As the broadcast goes on, they say less and less about each player. And then the draft cliches kick in where it's like, oh, good footwork quick but not fast shit like that comes into play because Mel Kuyper's crazy though but it'd be like the fourth round he's talking about a guy like he's Pat Mahomes like Mel Kuyper as crazy well, as he is you got him as do well yeah but like that's that's an exception like the actual college mock draft guys yeah they know that's all they do McShay Kuyper Daniel Jeremiah but the guys like you know Michael Irving was saying the same thing for pretty yeah. much every wide receiver <laughs> And especially when you're getting later in the draft and you just don't have, you don't know much about the Hampton wide receiver, bro. Cause they're never on TV. Like the way, you know, fucking CD lamb and shit. It's completely different. 
Yeah, they should allocate there where it's like, okay, if you want to have like a big name foreign player like a Kurt Warner or Michael Irvin, same for the first night, but then after that, just get old college guys or just people that truly know, like they've spent three, four months because there's so many guys out there that have been spending the last three, four months looking at talent that could be like a fifth round sleeper or someone that might get taken in the sixth round. Like, put those guys on TV. Why not? You got to lose. I also think this year, because of the circumstances in the draft, like I mentioned last week, you're going to see a lot of fourth and fifth round guys be impact players because they weren't able to go into these draft visits and have these teams bring them in for these one-on-one interviews. So I think you're going to get some good value in these later rounds this year more than past years. So what we have now, we're going to go with five, five teams that just got a perfect match, perfect fit. Five teams that elevated their status. Maybe, maybe they went from a team that you thought might go seven and nine to now nine and seven borderline playoff team. And then five, just what the fuck, like what the fuck kind of pick was that? Maybe it was a trade, whatever, however you want to put it together, Alan, that's what we're going to do. So start us off with a, a one thing that really got you excited. Let's go with a perfect fit for you. Well, when I first, they put the screen on Cliff Kingsbury. I was like, oh, my God. Cliff Kingsbury looks like he lives in a palace. I don't know what country, but it didn't look like it was America. And then I just thought, okay, if time to take it to another level. Take the perfect, most dynamic prospect out there. And he goes and gets Isaiah Simmons. I've been very high on Isaiah Simmons since watching him a month ago, because especially hearing that the Falcons were rumored to be trading up, I thought, okay, maybe Simmons could go there. But nevertheless, I just love how Arizona's like, let's take the most explosive uh, most dynamic potential defensive prospect and go with it because I think Arizona, even though they have the most exciting offense arguably in the league, outside maybe Kansas City, just on paper, you look at Arizona's offense. It's like, okay, this is going to be really exciting. But defensively, there's still a couple of flaws there. Why not take someone that could play three, four different positions, play that, okay, he's going to be a linebacker, but maybe could put him in safety, maybe could rush the passer. Kind of like what the Chargers are doing with Derwin James and at the Arizona, just they need some. They just need some. I know they got Chandler Jones and Patrick Pearson, but they just desperately need some more star talent. And why not take the best defensive player available? And they did it. I think it's a great fit. I was a little concerned reading Vance Joseph's quotes yesterday, saying they were only going to primarily play the linebacker. I think that would be a mistake. But I think once they see what he's capable of, you'll see him play three, four different positions, kind of like what the Chargers do with Derwin James. So yeah, I absolutely love the Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's actually something that I had also, and I'm going to add some more things to what you you said. There's also a team that has drafted a player very similar to him in the past, in like Tyron Matthew and even Jefferson when they they had, you know, now I'm not comparing Jefferson or Matthew to Isaiah Simmons, especially Matthew, who's, you know, Honey Badger has become his own all-pro caliber player. But in the sense that they draft this versatile guy where, Coming in, you might not know exactly where he's going to play, but he's so versatile. And that's the one thing that I think about when I, when I talk about Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, I was salivating at the mouth for months now at the idea that Giants taking him at number four. And when he slips down, I'm sure Kingsbury's getting super aroused in that Brazzers backdrop that he had in his, in his crib. That should look like a porn setup. But, dude, you get, you get Simmons and he goes to a team. You're right, dude. Like, Patrick Peterson, probably on the back nine of his career. He's not exactly the, the corner he once was. Chandler Jones still getting 15-plus sacks a season. But they do need that other guy that can make plays. And, yo, think about that division, bro. Again, you build teams. You build your team to win your division. You got the Niners, who have a lot of undersized wide receivers, quick, like, 
underneath guys. You got Kittle also. You got all these running backs that they utilize out the backfield. And then you got Russell Wilson. You got to chase his ass all over the field. And then the Rams with Goff, you got Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup and Woods in the slots. So now you have a guy that you can maneuver all over the field. And, man, from for you to get him at number eight, I think was really, really crazy for the Cardinals. I don't know how much they interviewed him or whatnot because sometimes – you know, it was the year the Jets at the time, they drafted Leonard Williams. At the time, Leonard Williams was like, oh, best player in the draft. Oh, my God. Yeah, this and that. Census number one. I remember that. Yeah. And then, and then when the, Jet, the Jets took him, they asked Leonard Williams, and he said, I didn't even talk to the Jets because the Jets didn't think he would be there. So I don't know. I, I, I would like to find out a little bit more about that as to how much interaction did the Cardinals really have with him because it did seem like he fell to his lap. Right. And I think with the MC West, which definitely the best division, it just it's a perfect move for them just because right now it's going to be so competitive. And uh, I also want to give credit to Carlos because they actually took a son Reddick a couple of years ago who's been a huge bust, but he yep. was kind of in that similar, it was kind of a pass rusher, but also a linebacker. And they could have easily been kind of scared away because Simmons is pretty undersized. But I think when you see, like Mike Renner was on our show, what, like a month ago, and he was talking about how you're, at this point, like a linebacker just needs to be able to cover. That's the number one priority and specialty. So it doesn't really matter if he's undersized at this point. As long as he could cover, to pursue it. So kudos to Cons for doing that because they could have easily been kind of a little phased away from it because the Hassan Reddick experience, he was a top 10 pick, and it's been totally bad. So you know, kudos to them for at least pulling the plug. All right, I'll go with one of my teams next because I also had the Cardinals, so we both kind of gave one already. Uh, I really like what the Ravens did. Patrick Queen, I think, is a stud. And it goes back to what we were talking about before. Well, actually, what you kind of checked me on where not all organizations do you trust what they're doing. This is one that I trust what they're doing. When the Ravens take a defensive player in the first round, outside of like Matt Elam, I think it was a safety from, from Florida who played in the XFL, I'm pretty sure I saw. But besides that, dude, especially when they take a linebacker, like when I think of linebacker in the NFL, like linebacker you, I think of the Ravens. They've had Ray Lewis, then they got they had C.J. Mosley for a while before he left for free agency. And this is a team that gets another guy who could quarterback their defense. Just He just felt like a Ravens pick. And then they also get J.K. Dobbins, who Ravens again, they, you know, they signed Mark Ingram to a big deal. And then they also were using Gus Edwards last year too. They used Lamar Jackson like a running back. But I think J.K. Dobbins coming from Ohio State, you just get another young buck that you're just going to run into the ground. And that's just what Baltimore does, bro. They, they did it with Alex Collins. They did it with Willis McGahee. They did it with Ray Rice also. Like, they just – that's just their shit, what they like to do. And I really just – the infrastructure of Baltimore and what they have, you throw a guy like Patrick Queen, who was one of the guys that you noticed on that LSU defense – for me, that's just a perfect fit for a team. And we'll that was the only there. real kind of hole they had left in their defense because in the offseason, getting someone like Clayus Campbell, which that's a championship difference-making move. Like, Clayus Campbell's going to elevate that D-line. We already know how good the secondary is with the likes of Humphrey and Peters and Earl Thomas. You know, they've, now they've built up front a little bit, but getting someone like Queen, who's just an extraordinary athlete, someone that could make those sideline and sideline plays, you know, they definitely hit it, so... Baltimore in a year where they've kind of dominated the draft. So Queen was on my list as well. I think just great value. And I think they kind of benefited from a couple of teams. Like I 
Chargers kind of botched their drafts, and I think they kind of benefited from that because I think a talent like Queen, a lot of people projecting to get picked in the late teens, early 20s, for him to fall at 28. You just kind of scratch your head, and just another draft for a Baltimore capitalized. Give me another team that you got, your second team. Got to look at the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I have them <laughs> down too. I can't front, you know, uh, the the uh, – the the journalist and uh, broadcaster in me is is agreeing with you. So go on. Yeah, you have to just for them to get someone like CD Lamb is just put him in that offense. I know there's some questions about Mike McCarthy, but between him, Cooper, and then even Gallup, I know Gallup's a stud, but now they're kind of in a position where they only have to pay Gallup because you kind of got Lamb on a rookie deal. Like I don't think they're going to be in that much of an even salary cap hell because Gallup, I think, is a town where he's going to get premium money. I can't see them at 40 m. So you know, not only are you building now, but even for the future. So uh, to get someone like Lamb, who a lot of people think is like most refined prospect out there. Like I know uh, you got Henry Ruggs; he's most uh, explosive, and you know, Jerry Judy has the best route running. But I think CD Lamb's like the because it comes to like a complete package and just the mismatches you could create with him, Cooper, and Gallup is going to be pretty terrifying. And Dallas, between that and again, Trayvon Diggs, it's hard. Like, you look at every draft grade, it's like Dallas A plus A, A plus A. It's like, oh, okay, you kind of know they kind of lost the draft across how you feel about grades, especially just looking at CD Lamb's tape. So, yeah, kudos to them. They're another team that I think kind of capitalized on a couple of shoddy picks, whether it be, you know, maybe a team like Atlanta or the Raiders where they could easily take in Steve Lamb and just didn't for whatever reason. You know, Dallas getting him at 17, it's like, how can you not capitalize on that? So, and I know a couple of Eagle fans who just like, God, be kidding me, that's who they get. So, yeah, kudos to Dallas. They say what you want, but Jerry Jones and his yacht, he doesn't play games. They did a hell of a job this year. It was one of those picks that kind of elevated your team and, and spited one of your opponents. And Philadelphia was probably foaming at the mouth. Because I, if I remember correctly, I think the teams that followed Dallas didn't really need a wide receiver. I think everything would have been a reach for them. Maybe just draft BPA, best player available, like CeeDee Lamb being there. But mm-hmm. for the most parts, the, the teams that followed the Cowboys weren't thirsty for a wide receiver. And yeah, dude, you also get digs too the younger brother of Stefan Diggs. And you also get a defensive tackle and Gallimore from Oklahoma, who's a big boy. It's hard. It's hard not to just fantasize about that offense if you're the Cowboys. And it kind of gives a cosign to Dak. Like, listen, dude, we're giving you all these fucking weapons now. I saw graphics, bro, of the Cowboys projected offense, and they didn't even have Michael Gallup on there. That Dak, Zeke, Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and it's like Michael Gallup had 1100 yards last year is that is that the quietest 1100 (laughs) yards you've ever had like seen for like a good team or in Dallas's case last year a relevant team yeah like there's been some bad teams where like okay I receive a pop-up like Corlin Sutton no one talks about it but he had a monster last year but in terms of I guess nationally recognized teams yeah Gallup's definitely one of the more quieter ones it was unbelievable. I'm, I kept telling people, like, yo, Gallup is nice, bro. Gallup is nice. Oh, he and, is terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah. Especially after the catch. And he's still learning, bro. He's still, like, coming in. He was a guy that people were saying, you know, sleeper, sleeper kind of draft pick. But it was also, like, he was so raw coming out of, uh, I think, uh, Baylor? CSU. Oh, I think CSU. he's a CSU Ram. Yeah. Oh, I said Baylor. I also, I also have the, the Cowboys here on the perfect. I mean, you – for, for both those reasons that I presented, right? You have 
you, you spike the Eagles who desperately need wide receiver help and they address it. They get Rigor too, but we'll get to them in a little bit, but not like CD lamb who a lot of people had as the number one wide receiver in the class. Just between him and Gallup now, like after the catch, those guys are ridiculous. Like Cooper is one of the best route runs, but um, Cooper's not really known for being ex- that explosive after a catch. He doesn't really break tackles or run away from others. But Gallup and Lamb, just you could use them on slants, screens. <sighs> like Dallas and San Fran are probably the two teams after a catch. They're probably going like, to lead the league in yak. A team that I have for perfect for me is the Cleveland Browns. Okay. I like what the Browns did because Jedrick Wills was heavily rumored to the Giants and number four also his ties with Alabama and Joe Judge and the staff there. But they also get Grant Pitt from LSU. It's, they're finally kind of building an offensive line that suits Baker and the shit that he likes to do. It's a, he's a very athletic offensive lineman and can move. And I think the best way to utilize Baker Mayfield is to maybe, you know, quick three to five step drops as he's like rolling out of a pocket like those like plays where you catch the snap and you're like rolling to your right and you throw on the run like that's how I think you should utilize Baker Mayfield the way he was in Oklahoma and look they have a lot of weapons bro they just signed your boy Austin Hooper from the Falcons too and you have the two tight ends over there you got Beckham you got Landry you got the running back out the backfield who's very versatile too and and, and Nick Chubb and you're adding some more pieces to your defense with with uh, Del Pitt, who was projected to be a first-round pick also. You get him 44th overall. And they're kind of building, like, an SEC team in Cleveland, you know. They picked four SEC players in the first three rounds. Uh, it's the one conference that a lot of people say is the best conference is college football. And I like what they did. I like from a from a fit and what you needed, right? What were we talking about pretty much every time we talked about the Browns last year, bro? Their offensive line being bad. And they address right. it in the offseason. Yeah, got Conklin. Conklin, and now you, you throw Wills, Wills Jr. in there, too. So I, li- I like what Cleveland did. Shout out They've to had for that. terrible tackle play over the past year. Like, them in Tampa have had like, players that should have no business starting the NFL, just beat tackles. And it's going to be weird watching what should be the Browns having a you know, solidified offensive line now. There's really no excuse for Baker. I know Baker was very panicky in the pocket last year. You know, now with the new I, – I know he has to learn a new offense again, but still just weapons around him. And now Cleveland doing – pulling out all the stops to build a solid offense line around him. It's like, now it's go time. You got to deliver. Give us another team. What is that? That would be your fourth team? I, I didn't have the Browns. You know, they did decent, but I wasn't okay. crazy about it. But uh, – and Vikings, which is a really crucial draft for them considering – uh, the loss of Diggs, you know, Everson Griffin now being gone. Uh, didn't Xavier resign Rhodes. any careers. Rhodes, I think everyone could agree, wasn't really a loss. I think Mackenzie Alexander was a surprise loss. He was a really good slot corner. But losing Rhodes and Trey Wayne, those moves, were, you know, Ryan was on the wall. But I think just to accumulate all these draft picks, like you look at the Vikings draft class, they just have so many picks. But I am definitely excited about Justin Jefferson. He isn't quite Stephon Diggs when it comes to the you – know, aspect of being like this deep thread, this breakaway explosive weapon, but he's someone that can make a lot of contested catches. And I think that's something you need with a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who's not the most accurate thrower. He's someone that does put the ball in harm's way. I think getting someone like Justin Jefferson was a huge coup for him. So getting him, and I don't know too much about Jeff Planty, but 
I know he has a little bit of character concerns, but from what I've read, just based on uh, his ball skills and instincts, I think someone like Mike Zimmer get the most out of him. So uh, Vikings just it was a really crucial draft because you just kind of see what the I don't know, NFC just constantly teams are progressing. We look at the Saints, the 49ers, uh, Bucks, obviously. The Vikings seem like the offseason, they were just losing so much talent now. Uh, it looks like on paper, pretty damn good draft. So uh, based on you know, the, everything that's going on in Green Bay and the uh, Lions rebuilding and the Bears being the Bears, Vikings definitely have a good shot at getting back to, to the playoffs this year. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Justin Jefferson pick. He ran, I think they said 98% of his routes out of the slot and they got Adam Thielen there. So for rotate around by, I do. Yeah, that's a bit of a concern. Yeah, maybe I hear you, but I would just be a little hesitant because I think they really needed a guy to line up outside. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned over the years, how much of a difference a slot and an X receiver really is. Like on the outside, it makes the world a difference. And it's very rare that you got guys like Michael Thomas who can line up everywhere and just be effective. There are some guys that are just really good out the slot or they're just really good on the outside. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that I would just pump the brakes. I think Justin Jefferson, I'm surprised that the Eagles didn't take him, especially when you consider they lose Aguilar too. Maybe you could have filled that slot role with a Justin Jefferson. But for the most part, just uh, from a need perspective and what they drafted on, yeah, I feel you. But I don't know. I just think you have two guys that might be doing the same thing. Okay. All right. Uh, elevated? I am kind of excited about the Dolphins. Okay. I have them also. So I don't know. Like their roster, there's still some holes, but just based on the division, and I do like the fact that this draft was just about let's just get talent because I know their roster looked big. I think this year, but uh, I do like the emphasis on offensive line and just they didn't overthink it. They're like, okay, Tua is clearly extraordinary talent. Okay, there's injury concerns, but let's not get too crazy. Just make get the pick and we'll develop him. So between that and I'm gonna butcher his name, but Noah. Ig, I'm not going to say his last name, but Igby. Uh, the corner Igby, from, from Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, I had yeah. him in my notes too, and I wrote just question mark on his last name. Sorry, man. Yeah, but he's – I know he was really highly regarded coming out of Auburn, and just the fact that him, Howard, and Byron Jones, is like I know that AFC is not known for having much receiver talent, but uh, I do like the whole stance on – and this is you know Brian Flores coming from New England. Like New England kind of showed last year, or however you want to phrase it, when it comes to the – when they won the Super Bowl, but look, if you have a really good secondary pass rush, isn't not, a, it, I don't think it could uh, hinder you as much because as you, you're able to cover receivers four or five seconds, eventually you'll get there. Like I know everyone wants to build up front and that's the whole you know kind of trend, but I think Belichick showed, you know, if you have a secondary that could lock down with Gilmore, Cordy Brothers, uh, Jonathan Jones, why not? So I think what Miami's doing, building the secondary, it's kind of a cool initiative, and it's kind of showing uh, Flores you know, what he's doing over there is not kind of you know, taking the New England trend with them, but also still putting emphasis on okay, you need corn that because I think what teams are starting to realize is look, 
teams line up in a nickel 65% of the time. You need three capable corners, and Miami's yep. making sure we got three really good corners. And Byron Jones has experience covering the slot. So, you know, I really like what they did there. Robert Hunt it looks really exciting. Just looking at his uh, highlights, um, I know there's a couple offensive line. You just look at him like, oh, my God, this guy's a mauler. I think I have all of them except the guy the Jets took, the Beckton left tackle. I'd say uh, Hunt has the most exciting film, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do. And, you know, of course, to us. So, yeah, salute to Miami. I think right now the whole process of what they've done um, over the past 18 months it's starting to make sense slowly. Also, they traded. Was it during the draft or after they got Matt Breida? During it, yeah. And I've always been a huge fan of Matt Breida. Same, bro. I th- I, yeah, I think he's. I think he's awesome. First of all, he could. Play, I always make the joke. This guy played with like six injuries at one point back in oh, 2018. Yeah. Uh, he's a warrior. Like, I, I'm shocked Shannon kind of views him as kind of expendable talent. I think he's someone that okay, he's not the most explosive guy, but still in between the tackles, someone that you could use on screens. He's he's not going to wow you anywhere, but he's someone that's still very reliable. So, uh, kudos to them because I think uh, running back wise, just him and Jordan Howard, they're kind of going the veteran route and That's why not right dude i was trying to remember what running back they signed it was jordan howard and then they also had like patrick layard i remember it was like a fantasy darling he was a member of the dirty lambs allen i started him in the playoffs Ugh. but still oh. still prevailed because i'm really good at what i do when it comes to fantasy but right. dude uh oh, and all, all kidding aside if tua is healthy and he's what everyone projects him to be they, they win the draft I think I'm, I don't know if it's whatever school I'm in, old school, new school. If you hit on your quarterback that you take in the first round, I think you win the draft or you're a winner of the draft. And if two is yeah, healthy, you're a winner, like yeah. if two is healthy, you're chilling. You finally get a guy that guys and girls could go buy a quarterback jersey and know that he's going to be there for a decade. Why not? A little revisionist mm-hmm. history where they almost, not almost, they didn't sign Drew Brees way back in the day because of injury concerns and now they're like yo this guy has been compared to drew Brees too kind of because of the size but this guy had like a crazy passer rating uh two years ago and he was a consensus number one pick coming into the draft and then he gets hurt and i get it like it's not like he didn't break an arm he had a, a fucked up injury but dude if tua is tua and he's like the answer it's a home run it's yeah. just a home run I think they really elevated themselves with everything that they're doing. They're building a culture. They've gotten rid of some character guys that were issues in the past. And, yo, they they played a big role in how the Super Bowl played out this past season because they beat the Pats in that last game when they were 17-point underdogs. So this is a team that's scrappy. If you take away those, those first two weeks where they got fucking shellacked, was it like Baltimore and then New England beat them like like 98 to 7 or some shit. Yeah, was it was like, really bad. Like, Lamar had, like, a perfect rating. AB scored a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. seems like three years ago at this point. Yeah. But besides that, they were a team that played really hard, and it was a new regime, and I like what they're doing in Miami. So hats off to Miami. I definitely think they elevated themselves. Uh, I'll go with another team. I fucking loved what the uh, Denver Broncos did. They're up there, yeah. Yeah, listen. They're going all in, it seems like, with – with Drew Locke, and that was obvious to me when you look at what they've done both in the offseason with the free agents and then what they did at the draft. You get Judy, who I think is the best wide receiver in the class. Um, A lot of people do. Then you also get K.J. Hamler, who this might be surprising to you, 
Allen, but I know a lot about him because he was a Penn State guy. And I kind of have like an irrational love for Penn State because I have some family that went there and my parents go to a game. They go to, uh, I think it's called the whiteout game where the whole crowd is dressed in white. And, and like there's like 100,000 people and they're all wearing white tees. It's like the craziest visual. And my wow. parents go to that game every year. And he's a slot guy, which is something that they could use in Denver. And he's never really – he's been productive, bro, and he hasn't played with, like – who's the last Penn State quarterback that got drafted? Hackenberg? Like, that's not exactly yeah, – I don't, don't want to count that, but, yeah, I guess you have to. Yeah. I, I, they're not exactly quarterback you in Penn State. And, yeah. you know, you get Judy. You get two weapons for him. You got Cortland Sutton, who probably made the biggest leap of any wide receiver from year one to year two in recent memory. And I just love what they're doing with Drew Locke. And I thought going wide receiver was going to be super obvious for them because they needed another guy. And now you got, you got Sutton, Luck, uh, Locke, excuse me, Sutton, Locke. You got Font or Fant, who you drafted last year. You got Judy now. You got him. You got a young-ass core moving forward. And one common theme that you saw with all these teams, bro, no matter what division it was, you're building to beat your division. And who's in that division, bro? Kansas City Chiefs. They put up like 40 burgers on people. You got to have some offense and some explosiveness. And you get that with Judy. You get that with Hamler. I love it, man. I love what Denver did. I think Denver could be a sneaky wild card contender next year. I'm not sure how much sneaky because people are really hyping up now. Like oh, yeah? If you look at the AFC. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about Well, Denver. that's true. Denver, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. If you look at the landscape of the AFC, what is it, like two and a half teams you really are confident in? Right. So with, look at them and the Chargers. They picked up a lot of steam uh, this offseason. You know, the Chargers obviously more free agency than Trek, but Denver, uh, you, know, you look at that backfield with Gordon Lindsay. Mm-hmm. They're pretty exciting. I just, I wonder how they're going to look schematically. I don't know who their coordinator really is. Like, you don't hear much about them because they're coached by Vic Fangio. You hear all about their defense. So, uh, it's, and let's not forget they're getting healthy Bradley Chubbnack as well. So, yeah, Denver definitely made some moves. Oh, like, you know who the offensive coordinator so, is? Oh, uh, Pat Shermer, right? Pat <laughs> fucking Shermer. Yo, you know what, though? All, all jokes aside, really like good it, offensive man. coordinator. Yeah, he did great with Minnesota. He's, I know he's, he likes to make fun of his demeanor, but he's, he's a fast No, no, no. I, I know I laughed, but it's because I thought of him as a head coach. But yeah. as a head coach, terrible. Offensive coordinator, really, really good, man. So I, know, yeah. I forgot about that. It took your reaction for me to remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I had I had Denver as a team that elevated themselves. Yeah, they're definitely up there. Uh, I have to mention Tampa because I think a lot of people talk about how Tristan Wurst was like the best tackle because just mm-hmm. based on his freakish tape, I know he kind of dropped a little bit, but you know to get him, which was definitely neat because they were relying on Donovan Smith for way too long. So to drop Donovan Smith, who just I don't know, he was technique-wise always a nightmare. So now you get someone who is just a physical freak, someone that can move as well. I think just solidifying the offensive line, huge move for them. And getting uh, Anton Winfield Jr., who, oh, my God, I used to love watching his dad, which is so weird to say now. Like Anton Winfield Sr., I guess now you have to call him, when he was on those you know, the late 2000 Viking teams, just I'd never seen a coin that could tackle like him. So now you get his son, who is more of a safety. But once again, kind of feeling a knee because I think Tampa Bay, if there's one – major concern on the roster is their secondary. So you get someone that could kind of marshal the you know, 15, 20 yards away, being a deep line safety, it's something they desperately need. Someone that has really good instincts. So I know he's a little bit injury prone. I remember talking to Mike Renner, who he mentioned how 
the exciting he is, he's very versatile. He's also very injury prone. So that's a bit of a concern. But I just think Tampa, once again, kind of trying to build, you know, trying to fill those needs, tackle and safety, or I think were two big needs. And they kind of addressed with players that have a lot of uh, high upside. So it was them. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code Blue Wire to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solutions. And introducing a new sponsor to the program. Shout out to Blue Chew. Guys, get excited. Girls, get excited. Guys, if you're looking to last longer and go an extra few rounds, get to bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. As you guys always know, one thing that I say. No dick, no hope. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they are chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in a discreet packaging. No one needs to know your dirty little secrets. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when using promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that is B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. And yes, something that I'll be doing as well. I didn't have Tampa, but I hear what you're saying. They also seem to be building for now because, like, what Brady got? One more year, if that? Could be 43, Uh, bro. Yeah. So, (laughs) can't really be expecting much. I think next year they're probably drafting a successor to him, especially depending on how this season goes, too. Like, yo, it wouldn't surprise me, bro, if, like, Brady just shits the bet. I'm sorry, because he's, he's fucking 43 years old. I, yeah, like, I I understand the hype about Tampa, but I'm more excited about guys like Shaq Barrett and Vita Vea than Brady and Gronk. Like, the reason why Tampa Bay is going to be a serious threat, I think, is just the development of Vita Vea, Barrett, Chris Godwin, uh, Devin White. Like, those guys are going to continue to be involve and progress into stars they those are the players on board like as long as brady doesn't turn the ball over i think obviously it's an upgrade because winston just put the ball in harm's way way too much as long as brady protects the ball and gronk is somewhat of like a red zone threat i think that's all you can really ask for. they have very very strange odds they're the favorite in their division to win the super bowl but they're not the favorite in the division to win the division I think I'm going to go out on a limb. First hot take of the 2020 NFL season. This year is Cleveland Browns. I think the public perception and all the momentum and all the buzz when you look at all the weapons and the big names, I've been able to identify that team 
I'm going to try and confirm it in a couple of weeks. But for right now, I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay being that team that everyone's going to be just dick riding. And I think that they're going to stumble really, really hard because there's still a lot of holes that they got to fix, bro. I don't think so. I think they're pretty much uh, – like you look at the roster, offense is pretty much loaded. Defensively, that front seven's really good. The secondary is the one big concern, I will admit that. But the biggest difference, if I look at Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, I'd take them any day over what the Browns had last year. I think people are underestimating how good Arians is, and Todd Bowles is one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. So I think that's another big difference there. Plus Tampa, it's like, dude, that D-line, Aaron, JPP – um, Sue and who am I like an OV DeVeo? Like, dude, they're a terrifying up front. I think Jameis just cost them games last year. So they play, they play the NFC North, which is, I would say, the weakest division, at least in the NFC, arguably maybe even the NFL at this point. And they play the AFC West. <sighs> That's going to be tricky. Now, the schedule hasn't come out, folks, but if you want to see who your team's going to be playing, that's already out. Um, I mean, yo, I think it comes down to how do you feel about your Falcons. And I, I think Carolina still, it's, I'd be shocked if they make noise. Like, I think Carolina's They'll be competitive. They'll be competitive. Yeah, but I, but I they're, they're like a five, five or six win team. Yeah, that's exactly. one of my favorite unders of the year already. They haven't even come out yet, but blindly, you're just going to bet the under on the Panthers. But, all right. We'll we'll revisit this in, in in future episodes for sure, but I'm just a little hesitant on on Tampa Bay. Another team that I like what they did, man, is the New York Giants. Dave Gettleman, there we go. So let me let me make the case. Andrew Thomas, PFF had him as the number one offensive tackle on the board. He's a guy that was the most polished offensive tackle in the draft too. Most starts. He allowed 37 QB pressures in four seasons, which is fantastic. You're investing on Daniel Jones. You've invested in Daniel Jones and now you're investing in protecting him. You also get McKinney in the second round who some people, and even myself, I thought he was the best safety in the draft. He was one of those guys that when you watch on, when you watch Bama games, he just stood out. Also very similar to when the Giants drafted another Alabama uh, safety a couple of years ago, Landon Collins, second round also after drafting one offensive tackle in uh, Eric Flowers, who will probably not be mentioned again on this podcast, please. But I like what they did, man. And, yo, there's this kid, Holmes, who just did a video for Chat Sports. He was a fourth-round pick. Dude graduated in, in three years from UCLA. He's a returner. Punt returner, kick returner. He's, per uh, Ralph Acchiano from, from SNY, said a scout said that he's the best, he's the smartest defensive player that he's seen in, in this draft. And going back to what you said before about having not having enough corners, like you just need to have corners. And now you look at the division, got the Cowboys with all these weapons, right? You signed Bradbury, you have DeAndre Baker from last season. And now you have secondary help in these guys. I really like what the Giants did. Now, when I say elevated, I'm just I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl, but I think that now if you hit on these guys, you have a really good offensive line now if you look at it. So I, I, I kind of like what they did because, yo, you're talking about the Cowboys offense. Dude, the Giants can have a really fucking good offense too, man. They got weapons all over the place. They just need to protect. Well, and yeah, Deion Jones needs to be good. 
Well, yeah, so Daniel Jones needs to not turn the ball over three times a game. But I'm saying you're addressing one of those issues with Andrew Thomas. I, you know, which I totally agree with. Yeah, I think that was a slam dunk pick. Uh, I know a lot of people from Georgia. They just absolutely love everything about Andrew Thomas. I think it just ultimately comes down to how much Deion Jones develops. That's the only major – if you want to compare the Giants and Cowboys, that's pretty much what it comes down to. You know, they had a really good draft. I just think when it comes to elevating, like, I just don't see this team winning more than six games at most, which is why I didn't really put them there. But, it, you know, I think they're definitely one to step in the right direction. There's no way you could be too critical. So how can you put how can you put, how can we put Miami in this and not the Giants? Uh, that division's there for the taking. It's just more about look at the landscape of each division. Like you can't make a case for Giants being better than Philly or Dallas. You just can't. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I, I think I'd probably still pick the Bills to be like. I feel like the Bills would they're be the favorites, a, but they're vulnerable. But I think the Bills are gonna be. I haven't looked at the division odds. I'm just gonna you know, just make my own odds making right now. I would say the Bills are a bigger favorite in their division than the Cowboys or the Eagles are in their division. Uh, well, I think I can't see like Dallas or Philly not winning division. Like those are the two teams no, right there. That, but yeah. you're, I, I understand what you're saying, how like you think it's more wide open. And, and mm-hmm. in the NFC East, it's a, it's, it's a two-team race, right? Without, I agree with you there. But what I'm saying is the drop-off between one and two it's going to be higher odds wise between Buffalo and probably new England. Right. As opposed right. to like, yo, Philly and Dallas might be a pick em, bro. Oh, it is. Yeah. So that's why I think that if you put Miami in here, cause Miami ain't going to go 10 and six. Ah, oh, but in the AFC, they, that's wide open too. You have nothing you got to take into mind. You got to take into account. But for, you don't even know if two happen. is going to be starting from week one. That's true. No, I don't think they're going to take games, but they're going eight or nine, which I think is a significant improvement. I just, I don't know the Giants. I can't see more than six, which is that defense is still pretty horrendous. All right. All right. We spent enough time on the Giants, but, you know, it's it's kind of my show. So we could talk about our favorite teams. You know what I'm saying, Alan? Mm, yeah. I <laughs> I got the Colts as a team that I think elevated also. They had an interesting draft. They, they, I, for a team that didn't have a first-round pick, they made some moves. Yeah, so we got to remember that they don't have a first-round pick because they got Buckner from San Francisco. So they get a big big body, big name on the defensive line. They go out, and I think it was like the second pick of the second round. They get Michael Pittman Jr. from uh, USC. Yeah, 30, 34th pick. And then they get a running back in Jonathan Taylor. And you're looking at it also – I don't know how you feel about like Jacob Eason. He was a kid that went from Georgia to Washington. He's not going to start now, but he's a, what was he? A fourth round pick or a third round pick? Fourth round pick. I've not heard many good things about him, but that's just angry Georgia people. Yeah, but I just think with him, maybe he's going to develop behind Phillip Rivers. It's not a bad guy to learn from. I thought a dope spot for Jordan Love would have been the Colts. Just where you sit behind the veteran, you don't need him to start. Maybe you do a Pat Mahomes route where you play him the last two games of the season. If Indy, Indy's probably the favorite, in my opinion, to win that division. Man, you hate on Tennessee. Come on, you can't hate on Tennessee. I know, but I just think that that heavy run-based approach might be easy to slow down, especially after a year of having tape. That's true. They still got playmakers, but no, I do. I would agree with you there. That that is definitely not sustainable. 
I just think that the Colts last year, the glaring need that they had was another wide receiver outside of T.Y. Hilton making plays. And you had some flashes of like Chester Rogers and then like um, there was another guy that was starting on fantasy leagues too. I've, his name is just escaping me right now. But they were just they, guys though. They weren't playmakers. Yeah, the they weren't. The Colts, so yeah. you, you address that and I think I think with Phillip Rivers, you know, you get a you get a running back in Jonathan Taylor, who I, I think was the best running back in the draft. Powerhouse. Oof. Yeah. Man, his tape a little is bit, crazy. A little a little bit concerning. He's had like nineteen fumbles in college, I think. But he's also had I think like hundred and fifty more carries than any other running back coming out. So right. it's you know, the more it goes back to my Andrew Luck thing, right? Andrew Luck through through double digit interceptions to RG3's single digit interceptions and that was the deciding factor in rookie of the year. But it's like, yeah, this dude threw six hundred times to RG3 is like three eighty. So obviously he's gonna mm-hmm. throw more interceptions. The more you do something, the more you're gonna fuck up at it. So I like what the Colts did. I think they elevated themselves. I think dude, if Phillip Rivers could be Phillip Rivers from two years ago, and I know that's asking a you're lot. For a lot, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But yeah. You know, he's going to be playing behind an offensive line he's probably never played with. True. And in a division where, huh, I don't got to pay Pat Mahomes and, and Andy Reid, who I think up until last year beat him like nine straight times. So I like what the Colts did. I think they've definitely elevated themselves. Right. I think the one criticism is just, and this is just basic, not basic, but this is something that a lot of people can get on their case about. It's just trading for a running back. I, I don't mind taking a running back, obviously. Kind of like Taylor in the second round, but had to trade up to get him, which uh, is just something that ah, did you really have to do that for a position that's the least valuable in the league? I think that's like the one criticism. But no, indeed, look, they're one of the most well-run organizations, and they need to prove it. It's just you kind of want to see this is the year where you want to see them really take a leap, even though they are going to be a little bit restricted because I just don't have much faith in Rivers at this point. All right, let's go over to some of the teams that we just kind of head scratchers, Allen. The WTFs. Uh, what the fuck, for those of you that don't know what those three letters mean. Give me a team that kind of made you scratch your head with what they did. I think it's a yearly tradition that the Raiders just do things that make you question what on earth they're doing. But, hey, that's I'm, I'm a John Gruden guy. Just I'm more of a John Gruden, the coach, rather than John Gruden, the talent you like, guy. You like the, you like the gimmick of John Gruden. You don't actually like John Gruden. Hey, we were remember we had 10 to win on, I think, in October. Remember they were like, what three and two and like all right maybe they're going the right direction like i don't i'm not someone that totally could like i think gruden knows how to get the best at the talent it's just i don't think he is very good at evaluating it but i just like i know rugs is exposed to everything but i just don't see him fitting well with a guy like Derek Carr, who does not put a ball down to and just to pick him over guys like judy and lamb just i, I can't see much of the difference for him. I think this gives a big cosign for Derek Carr that maybe he is their guy. I know he's entering a contract year, but you don't address the quarterback position. You get him weapons. But is he going to utilize those weapons? That's my big question. I, I think the reason why they get a QB is just this isn't that great of a QB class. Yeah, that's true. I I saw a lot of uh, memes going around of Al Davis sitting up like the Undertaker. That was one of the best ones. I think Josh Norris did that shoot shout in. And it was like because Ruggs ran like a four two seven. It's like speed, Yo, speed, it was speed. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh look, we, we gotta wait and see, but 
uh, he was everyone's dude. He was he was nineteen to one to be the first wide receiver taken off the board. Hundred dollars okay. once you won you nineteen hundred. That's that just goes to show you what a long shot he was. Mm-hmm. Right, and then we had mentioned Damon Arnett, who no one was talking about him and he's someone that's kind of one of those older prospects and he's not someone that is that great of an athlete and he has short arms as well like when he got picked at 19 people that was like one of the more you know, who's that like why so it just i don't know oakland they're one of those teams you just order las vegas I las vegas now. sir yeah sorry that's gonna be like la san diego for the next three years but it's just that's what they do they're just the team that they kind of still in that al davis mode where they just do what they want they like explosiveness and uh, just players who are kind of aggressive because I know Arnett was someone from Ohio State. Uh, this is what I meant to say uh, for the past few years, what they've been doing. They love taking players that have played in the national championship playoffs. Like you look at their picks, guys from Alabama, Ohio State, last year taking Farrell from Clemson. It's just like, okay, whoever plays in the playoffs and does well, we'll value, we're going to rate them higher. Like in the third and fourth round, they took two guys from Clemson. Just uh, I think that's kind of becoming the trend over there. They just love guys that play in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it's more than half their picks in the last two years since Mayock and Gruden have been there have been guys from the college football playoff. It's like Ohio State. Josh Jacobs. And, and Bama, yeah. Yeah, Hunter Renfro, too. He's a, he's a Clemson guy. I love little Hunter. Uh, okay, I have – this might be a little controversial – I got the 49ers, and here's why. Because I felt when the Las Vegas Raiders kind of butchered it and left one of CeeDee Lamb and one of Judy on the board, it was a perfect spot for them to fill that other wide receiver role. Like, you like Debo Samuel, but, you know, you no longer have Marquise Goodwin there. You lost Emmanuel Sanders, and you saw what kind of impact he had on the offense when Sanders got to San Francisco. And I felt like Judy and C.D. Lamb, that was the right pick. You take Kinlaw, who's a really good defensive tackle, and I understand you're building on your strength. One mistake that teams make, and I saw it firsthand with the Giants, that's why it's something that has resonated with me for so long, that when the Giants were winning those Super Bowls, Allen, they had a really good offensive line and a really good defensive line. So what did they do in the years in between? Let's take a chance on a linebacker in Kiwanuka. Let's take a chance on, on Aaron Ross and – Let's take uh, Kenny Phillips to address a secondary. And then before you know it, you're not addressing your strength. That becomes your weakness. And then what was the weakness the last couple of years with the Giants offensive line? So what the 49ers are doing, they're saying, yeah, look, our strength is our defensive line. Probably the best unit, one of the best units in football. If you were to just power rank the units of, of teams and like what their main strength is, I'd say the 49ers have probably the best defensive line in in all of football. So what you do is you lose Buckner. I understand that. I didn't feel like it was that big of a need to address. I understand why they did it. I would have probably went wide receiver. And then you take a wide receiver in the second round who apparently is just like, like freakishly long, you know, like the Da Vinci thing that measure is like your, your wingspan is supposed to be equivalent to your height. His like defies Mm -hmm. it. So, and then also they get Trent Williams who finally is out of Washington. I just didn't like what they did. I felt like 
it would have been a more impactful thing and another weapon for Jimmy G to have if he go wide receiver there. I love what San Fran did. I think Dan Kim, I'm just a big Kim guy because I watched a lot of him because I know Atlanta was targeting him. And I do think they still had look, losing Buckner. He's one of their true defense tackles because Armstead's not. Uh, he's more of a hybrid player. He's not something that you could put inside on running downs. I know everyone's like, okay, who cares about stopping the run? But still, there's some value in stopping the run. And I just think Kimmel, from uh, a flag standpoint, this guy, get after it. Like He's someone that just jumps off right away off the phone. So uh, I'm a huge fan of that move. I think just bolstering that D-line even further, just continuing building that whole unit is something I'm excited about. Ayuk is... He, everyone's saying, okay, he's kind of like a Shannon guy because what they're doing is kind of just getting guys that could make plays after a catch. I'm not sure how great he could separate, but I think at this point, Shannon, he could scheme guys open more than anyone else. So just leaving his scheme and just put the ball in these guys' hands and open field, let them work. Because you look at Kittle, Debo, and now I, these guys are yak monsters. And that's kind of what Shannon's building there. So uh, I don't really dislike what San Fran did. I just they didn't have a lot of picks, which is kind of a downer. Like they had, like they didn't pick on day two, which is kind mm-hmm. of crazy looking back on it. But I'm not going to go against what him and John Lynch have done because I think the resume speaks for itself. And then you get a guy like Trent Williams to replace Joe Staley, which, you know, Joe Staley is definitely a respectable veteran. He's done a lot in the league, but he's been kind of declining these past two years. You get to upgrade like Trent Williams. San Fran had a hell of a offseason. And I just think you have to believe in what Shannon's doing there. I feel you. You know who's – when I was watching Ayuk at uh, Arizona State and some of his – film you know who you reminded me of bro i think you might like this one steve smith but on the giants man i have not watched these i'm trying to remember steve smith was he more bro, a possession he, guy he's still yeah he's a possession guy okay but he he was a guy who was like you know to use a draft cliche he was quick but not fast and okay. he would always find himself open and i think when you look at that system that they have in san francisco with shanahan yo taylor gabriel got paid bro like i understand taylor gabriel is like a really fast My guy God, but yeah. But but still, I just think that it's that would be a player comparison that I would give. Okay. I have also just to piggyback off that I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm and shocked by that uh, because a lot of people rate highly praise the Jaguars, which is rare. Man, I don't know. Um, again, going defense. Like, are you sure that? Again, I understand that you didn't have you didn't value this draft as a deep quarterback class. And a lot of people did also like now you're going in with Gardner Minshew could have used a wide receiver there. You get Henderson who I know the Falcons were targeting, right? Yeah, they were. And then you get, you just keep adding to the defense. And I think your offense is the issue. Like you got Fournette who I think, I think Fournette is like a thing of the past, bro. I think they're trying to trade him. I know, but I just think, like, yeah. his style as a running back is just... Yeah, they totally botched it. Yeah, it's just not good. That's, you know, for every Zeke Elliott and Saquon Barkley, there's a Leonard Fournette going in the first round, too. Well, used to be not anymore. You're not going to take guys that have little receiving. Like, he has no value as a receiver, which, okay, maybe you get my checkdowns, but you can't put him in the slot. You can't put him outside because he's just not a great athlete. And he's not someone that can make people miss. He doesn't even break a lot of tackles either, so which is just, I don't know, I never liked that pick. And now they can't even get, like, a fifth-round pick from Dude, I'm trying to find this. Uh... Okay, 
so just listen listen to the first round picks. The Jaguars used five straight first round picks on Monroe, Alula, Gabbert, Blackman, and Jokel, right? Jacksonville's wow. last eight first round picks have been players from the SEC or the state of Florida Florida. Kason, Henderson, Josh Allen, Tavin, Brian, Fournette, Ramsey, Fowler, Bortles. Yikes. Yikes is right. You can't be like drafting first round picks and then have them disappear after two seasons. Or force them out, which is becoming a tradition there. Tom Coughlin out here finding people for no reason. I just didn't. I just felt like they should have done something more offensively. And I understand their defense isn't as good as it once was. Remember Telvin Smith like walked away last year. Cause I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. He was a really good linebacker, bro. And he just like said, I'm out. So I don't know. I just didn't like what the Jaguars did. I still don't fully understand what they're doing. I just think they looked at what was available and had a nook. Like I really like Kaysan as a talent. I think he's someone that could replace in Gawkway long term uh, as an edge rusher. So I really was too upset with their draft. I think it's just more of they're in a position where they're probably gonna be picking the top three next year, and they kind of know. What's another team that was a head scratcher for you? Got to be the Eagles, right? Oh man, yes. Uh, I think I think unanimous. How the fuck do you take Jalen Hurts in the second round, bro? It's kind of working. Obviously, can get the Green Bay later, but it's just when you're a team that's in contention, like you can't just be throwing away for a second round picks like this. Like you got like there could be serious value here. These players could be game changers, and to put the second round pick on a guy that might see the field what five, seven times a game, like it just makes little sense to me, especially for a team that has some clear flaws. I don't like it at all. I do understand why they won the backup given Wentz's durability issues, but why couldn't they just go get Jameis Winston? Just baffling. And I'm a Howie Roseman guy, but I think they went way over line here. And I don't want to hear anything about this whole Taysom Hill on steroids offense to me. It's just it's nonsense. Yeah, you can't take you can't take a second round pick. When you have Carson Wentz, bro, you can't take a second round pick on a quarterback. Yeah, just why don't you go get Winston or Andy Dalton? Like, if you really care so much, like, you want a good backup. Cam? You can't take I don't know Cam. if Cam's taking it. Yeah, you could take Cam as well. I don't know if Cam's taking it, but then again, he might be forced to at this point. But it's just there's so many options out there, and it's just I don't know. They really got to figure out ways to use them gimmickly because otherwise I don't get the purpose of this pick. Like, Doug Pearson better be ready to pull out some sort of wild packages. Jalen Rigor is – Cool, I guess, but I don't trust TCU wide receivers. Josh Doxson was a TCU wide receiver. He's out the league now. I'm always a little hesitant of those, like, Baylor TCU guys from those video game conferences, even Texas Tech. You know, I'm just a little concerned, a little hesitant. But then again, you could also say that, you know, I mean, West Virginia too, bro. They're in that same conference. And uh, Kevin White was a first-round pick for the – for, for the Bears, and he's out the league too. But then again, you look at some of the Oklahoma guys and like C.D. Lamb is being hyped up as the best wide receiver in the league in this draft, I should say. So, yeah, I just think it was a very head-scratching pick. It was probably the weirdest pick of the draft, if you ask me. Oh, definitely. I think Larry Schwarzenegger is – which is kind of crazy because they just got rid of Nelson Aguilar because he can't catch the ball. I saw a stat where we only caught like 60% of his targets. He had major drop issues. And it's just like, didn't you learn your lesson already? Yeah, Basically, like taking him over, it. taking him over Jefferson was just uh, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Oh, dude, I think we did a a, a VM pick him and uh, NFL like drafting for the first round, and I think him going to Philly was what I had 
I thought it was just perfect. When you're looking at slot guys too, just to fit there just made so much sense. Um, you have one more you want to mention, right? Yeah, Chargers, which I think a lot of people got their case. I think when it comes to Chargers, how you evaluate Justin Herbert, I've not, I've not watched much of him, but from what I've seen, he just—I don't think he looks ready. And for the sixth pick on him, especially for a team that has a couple other needs, like I think they could have taken another tackle, especially in this draft. Like this draft had so many good tackles. Like shout out to the teams that addressed that because they—whether you're the Giants, Browns, Jets, Bucks—like this is a tackle class and so get one of the best ones i think tampa should i mean i think the chargers should have done that you think a guy like herbert i don't know i just there's a lot of concerns you watch him it's gonna be i, I tweet this out i think thursday night but him josh allen Daniel jones these are like three qbs that no one thought should have been in the top 10 now all three of them are were top 10 it's gonna be very interesting come what 2022 to see you know were the front office executives right or was draft Twitter right it's gonna be very fascinating but yeah I didn't like that pick and then Kenneth Murray was more of a one thumping linebacker not much of a cover guy just the first rounder on a two down linebacker probably that's today's NFL that's not gonna work so hold on yeah, not big, e- you're forgetting down. the the biggest reason why they are what the fuck for me is they traded up for a linebacker well if he was an athlete like they trade up for Patrick Queen I, I think people wouldn't have minded it but I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just, this is probably old school to me. I'm not trading up. And I actually made reference to you. I think it was either in a tweet or I don't know if I said it on the podcast with, with, with Tim and Taryn, but dude, I'm not trading up for anyone. That's not a quarterback, bro. Like, and I know the Falcons did it with Julio and that's my guy, but man, it's it's well, just what's the big deal in the late late first round? I don't see much of a big deal if, it, if you get the right player. You're like, why not? If it's someone that's valuable whether it be an edge rusher a linebacker a detective i just think you have too many holes if you're the chargers that you need all the draft okay that's understandable you know like the reason why i think the leonard williams deal was so bad for the giants was because give up a third and a fifth round pick when you got all these glaring holes on a guy that isn't Mm -hmm. even like you didn't do that shit for yannick or for like von miller it's a guy who's a project still kind Mm -hmm. of yeah I, i could see it depends i guess what your roster is looking like. But if a team like, say, Baltimore trades up, I don't mind it at all if they want to be aggressive or whoever it may be. I think it just depends on the organization. But it just the Chargers get a QB who looks like a project that who knows how he's going to develop and then a linebacker who's more someone for the 2000s rather than current landscape of the NFL. Don't know what they're doing. All right. Let's address the elephant in the room. We haven't talked about Jordan Love going to Green Bay. That was probably another head scratching pick, you think? I, I think it was kind of saved the draft in a way. Like you needed something that was just like a oh my OMG moment because I think this is the first time in years in the top ten. No one really made any like real head scratching as much as people want to be critical of Herbert. Everyone's talking about Herbert was gonna be picked either by Miami or the Chargers. So Herbert wasn't this huge shock. Like this was the first genuine major shock and no one saw it. So what do you make of it? Do you think the the tenure of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay is coming to an end or do you think this is just maybe gonna run it back with what you did with Rodgers? Do you have him sit for two, three years and just wait? Like, how do you, how do you think this goes? Because it, it wasn't a surprise that reports came out that Rodgers wasn't happy with this. I just don't think in today's NFL you could wait two years. Like, 
the biggest thing with taking a rookie quarterback is take advantage of the rookie deal. Right. Like the first four years. And now you you pick a guy who first two years might not see the field. Like it's just that's just one of the other what forty five issues here. You know, obviously the biggest thing is like you're a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl. You have clear holes on the old line, definitely another receiver, you know, linebacker is another hole. It just you take a guy who might not see the field for two years, it's just in today's NFL, you can't be doing this, especially in the first round. It's just I don't know what they saw there. I know this report say Matt LaFleur is getting kind of tired of Aaron Rodgers. He wants someone that doesn't freelance as much because, as we know, Rodgers kind of beats his own drug. He's very makes plays out of structure all the time. He's not someone that he kind of operates with his own playbook rather than you know, other players. They kind of work with Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy is not known for being this playful and guru. While Matt LaFleur comes from the Shanahan McVay school, so he's a bit of a hardhead. I think these are two very much big personalities that kind of clashing and it's going to come ahead this year uh, i don't think rogers will be there in a year or two like it just that's where all the patients are going towards it's just given how good green bay was last year even though their record was kind of flawed it's just not to make a bigger championship push look at new orleans they're putting all the stocks for two reasons in their rank while for green bay and aaron Rodgers, it's just kind of leaving him out the dry once again you take a quarterback and then a running back that a fullback, a tight end. That's going to be a fullback. Yeah, it just uh, I feel like you should have tried to maybe make a move to get some help for Rodgers. Shit, man! After like week one last year, I was saying how they should go and get Emmanuel Sanders or get a veteran wide receiver. I don't know. Lafleur wants to run the ball. Rodgers, he wants to keep him in the pocket and not to improvise as much. But that's the greatness of Rodgers. We like Aaron Rodgers because of the improv. When the play breaks down, he could do all that shit that he does. So it does seem like there's some issues in Green Bay still, which is crazy to think. They went 13-3, and three, and despite how you felt about how Green Bay was doing last year, bro, the fact that you went 13-3, and three, shit, I know what I would do for 13-3, and three, Allen. Yeah, they still were successful. They won the division pretty handily. They beat the Vikings twice. They beat Seattle. Like, they still had a really good year. They they beat uh, Dallas on the road when Adams was hurt. Like, they are really good roster. Like, they kind of won free agency last year. They hit on all their big signings. And it's just now you're in a position where it's like you're kind of in, I don't know, like in a place where it's like, okay, we're going to push for Super Bowl, but it's like, and if we play San Fran again or you know, run into New Orleans or even Tampa or Dallas or Philly, it's like you look at their roster compared to them, it's just like how can you not like – how can you rate Green Bay over them at this point? Because it's just they did nothing this offseason to improve their roster, which is just – you can't do that when you're a contender. It's weird, man. It's weird. I think you might see some deja vu between how it ended with Brett Favre same thing with Aaron Rodgers, man. Comes full circle. That team pushed, though. Like, they, you know, they were in the NFC Championship before Favre went to the Jets. It's just, I don't understand why they're, why a team that's in their position thinking 2021, 2022, but they got to be thinking now. And, and also think about this, like, last offseason, they went for it. They got Preston Smith, Darius Smith, each your name. It's like, they spent, like, they clearly wanted to make it a priority for everybody to contend now. What's why is there a change of plans now? You just went 13 for right? It's just, I don't know what their, I don't know if they know what their identity is at this point. And I would be infuriated if I was a Green Bay fan. And not to mention, like, we didn't talk about Jordan Love, but this guy, 
there's a lot of comparisons to Sean Kaiser. Let's just say that he's someone that's very hit and miss and someone that you know does not read the field all that well. So you know, you trade up. For I hate that they who, compared him to Pat Mahomes, well, because he made like two sidearm throws. Yeah, it's like you know you, want, you can't just use a couple highlights and that's how you're gonna make that comparison. There's a lot of volatility to his game and. Uh, we had our boy uh, Justice on back in what January, and oh my God, he was freaking out. They're like, dude, they took a Sean Kaiser 2.0. Uh, let's hope he's not the Sean Kaiser 2.0 for the sake of Wisconsin. But it's just, you know, he, this isn't being trade up for someone who was really this highly regarded prospect. They took someone that you know, was coming off a really down year, his senior year, after really shining his junior year. All right, man. I think we could wrap up here. Jury's going to still come back. It's going to take a while for them to come back with a verdict on this draft, as always, because it's going to take a couple of years. Um, Alan, it was a pleasure, as always, my guy. Where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore start. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. At The Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find the podcast. Much love to everybody who listen, and we'll catch you guys next time. This one for those they forget in my city. This one for those they forget. This dog off the leash and is ready to kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let a drop of me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.